Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is Tuesday, the sixth day of Lent. We begin our prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your great compassion blot out my offenses. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my offenses and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified when you speak and write in your judgment. Indeed, I was born steeped in wickedness, a sinner from my mother's womb. Indeed, you delight in truth deep within me, and would have me know wisdom deep within. Remove my sins with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be purer than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my wickedness. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Let me teach your ways to offenders and sinners shall be restored to you. Rescue me from bloodshed, O God, of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. For you take no delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit, a troubled and broken heart, O God, you will not despise. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by a son. A reading from Deuteronomy chapter 14. You are children of the Lord your God. You must not lacerate yourselves or shave your forelocks for the dead. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. It is you the Lord has chosen out of all the peoples on the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. You shall not eat any abhorrent thing. These are the animals you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ebex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Any animal that divides the hoof and has the hoof cleft in two and chews the cud. Among the animals you may err, among the animals you may eat. Yet of those that chew the cud or have the foot, hoof cleft, you shall not eat these the camel, the hare, and the rock badger, because they chew the cud but do not divide the hoof, they are unclean for you. The pig, because it divides the hoof but does not chew the cud, is unclean for you. You shall not eat their meat, you shall not touch their carcasses. Of all that live in the water, you may eat these. Whatever has fins and scales, you may eat. And whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not eat. 
It is unclean for you. You may eat any clean birds, but these are the ones you shall not eat. The eagle, the vulture, the offspray, the buzzard, the kite of any kind, every raven of any kind, the ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the little owl, the great owl, the water hen, the desert fowl, the carrion vulture, and the cormorant, the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe, and the bat. And all winged insects are unclean for you. They shall they shall not be eaten. You may eat any clean winged creature. You shall not eat anything that dies of itself. You may give it to aliens residing in your town for them to eat, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a people holy to the Lord. You shall not boil a kid in its mother's milk. Perhaps some of the things we remember most about the law, next to the Ten Commandments, are the dietary restrictions. These are the commandments that distinguish between clean and unclean food, particularly, most almost exclusively here, meat. What can be eaten, what must not be consumed, that's what sets this people apart from others. Of course, that is the point. This is the people God has chosen, that God has saved, that God has set apart to be God's own people. And as a holy people, they are to observe these commandments about what to eat and what not to eat. At the same time, as we think about this reading, we can't help but think about our own diets and our own philosophy and beliefs about food. Food is so basic to our lives that most everyone has some kind of opinion about what is good to eat and what is not good to eat. And there are people who will argue for the benefits of eating only plants or eating only whole food or real food or avoiding sugar or processed carbohydrates or eating lots of fat or eating little fat of, or and so on and so on and so on. But, but there's more to these beliefs than about food than, than what tastes good or is good for you. The way we grow and distribute food, the way we treat our animals and livestock, the way we go about slaughtering and processing animals, how we fish or how we hunt or how we otherwise catch game animals, demands that we think about food as more than just what tastes good or nourishes us or what our appetites drive us to eat. So it would naturally follow that the Lord would require his, this holy people to eat in a way that they were mindful of God's word and presence in the world. That part of being a human being in a close relationship with the Creator would have something to do with controlling the appetite on what to eat. As a matter of fact, the first commandment was to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I also have to admit that there is probably a lot of research that we could probably do to discover why the animal world is divided up in this particular way. It can also be enough for us to know that God has God's own reasons for these commandments. It is also enough for us to know that by the time of Jesus, these dietary laws along with the law about circumcision and about worship in the temple, were among the strongest markers of faithfulness in a person or people belonging to God. 
These also form clusters of questions that the first and second generation of Jesus' disciples will have to struggle over in the Spirit together. Paul's letters in the New Testament, inspired as they are by the Holy Spirit, are still filled with extended arguments about what Gentiles must do to be welcomed into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Or in Paul's case, what they're free from being required to do, instead being joined to this fellowship through faith by God's grace. And Jesus himself says that it's not what goes into people's stomach that makes them unclean, but what comes out of people's hearts, especially through their mouth, that defiles them. While Jesus' teaching frees up the Christian diet, it also runs into another dilemma when we see that the meat market is also attached to the pagan temple in cities throughout the Roman Empire. Remember, not every sacrifice is burned up. Some sacrifices produce meat that can be given away to the poor or sold to people or consumed by the priests. Paul spends some time sorting out this hot issue in in his first letter to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians. Eventually, though, the majority view comes to be that those baptized into Christ are under no compulsion to observe the dietary laws found in Torah, and that meat is meat, and that it is neither clean nor unclean, nor particularly attached to a god, specifically one that is no god at all, or, or, or something underneath the authority and power of Jesus to begin with. And so that frees Christians up to eat lobster and pork, but in light of what's just happened in the world, we still might want to prohibit the eating of bats. The teaching about diet in the New Testament, though, does make a particular argument about what these rules can and cannot do for us. And they do free us, but do they free us to eat anything and everything, to simply follow our appetites? Maybe not. The old distinction between clean and unclean, of course, have been removed, and the demands of the dietary laws have been fulfilled by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for us, as Jesus has fulfilled all other laws. Observing any dietary restrictions does not make us righteous before God, but but then Torah never claimed that it did either, because righteousness is a matter of faith in God above all else, and what we eat and what we drink follows from that faith. So there is something about this close relationship that we've been brought into by faith in Christ that would ask us to connect what we believe with what we eat. Perhaps this relationship with God that we enjoy in Christ demands, but without obligation, a more loving way of eating, a more mindful way of what we consume and how it's processed and produced. So I'll leave you with that as an open question, something to think about, something to ponder, but again, without obligation, just simply wondering. And perhaps our Lenten call to the fast might have something to say to us, too, in this. So what do you think? In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our forebears, to remember your holy covenant, 
This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to repair the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Mighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn, bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ and all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the communion of faith in your church, for the gift of relationship with others. For what else are we thankful Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all of your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, and especially for this congregation. For those who govern the nations of the world, for the people in countries that are ravaged by strife or warfare, we think of Ukraine, of Russia, of the neighboring countries. For those who work to bring about peace and to restore an international harmony. For those who are caring for and welcoming and feeding and sheltering and clothing refugees and those displaced. For those caring for the sick. For those comforting those who mourn. And for all who strive to save this earth from carelessness and destruction. Almighty and everlasting God. You have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.